What's up guys, your boy Triple D, and I'm back, back again. I'm really bad at, you know, consistency and stuff, but I promise at the very least I'm going to give you guys at least one episode a month. Um, I'm just not elite, I'm not top notch, but I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there, I promise. So uh, yeah, it's 2017, new year, new calendar, same old shit, um, <laughs> here we are. And in this episode, we're going to spend a little time talking about how certain things stick with you. I don't have a a snazzy title for this just yet. Who knows? Maybe it'll come to me. But uh, before we get into that, I want to get into the shout outs. So uh, before we begin, I just want to say there's been a whole lot of love on Twitter and Tumblr. And if I forget anybody, I I apologize. Blame it on the head and not the heart. A lot of love and... uh, it's a long list, so here we go. As always, the Just Say Words podcast, shout out to Jay, um, PTO Unlimited, the Critical Dump, Pepper and the Salt Shaker, the Real and Raw podcast, Talk It Out podcast, and T.O. Black, uh, Salon Talk, Glenn and Her, Penrose versus Anybody, uh, Crystal Clear, The Right Man Child, Charlie and the Champ, To Kenya Talks, Podcast Brothers, Random Chatterings, uh, The Man Podcast, The Podcast Queens, Midnight Convo, Two Shots and a Brew, The John Effect, of course, um, Renee, Justin Ruff, and uh, last but definitely not least, I gotta give a shout out to the also known as podcast starring Ash and Ash, um, two very good friends of mine who um, I've mentioned in the past, uh, pretty much inspired me to start podcasting. They're kind of back. Well, there's no kind of. They're back. Um, be sure to check them out. And uh, yeah, if I, if I left anybody off, like I said, I I greatly apologize. If I left anybody off, I'm sorry. You know, nothing personal. It's just there's a whole lot of podcasting, and um, it's a lot to keep up with. All right. So, like I said, this is the Off the Clock podcast, and uh, I'm getting to business, getting down to business a little later than usual. I'm a little out of order. You'll have to excuse me. So, like I said, my name is Triple D. I am the host of the Off the Clock podcast. If you want to reach me, you can find me on Twitter at the Off the Clock podcast. That's O F F T H A Clock podcast. Um, or you can search Triple D. That's Triple underscore D. You can also contact me at off the clock podcast at yahoo.com and you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Mixer as well as Google Play. So as always, I'd like to start these things off with a little bit of a random recap, um just sort of me catching up on what's sort of been happening in my time away from podcasting. And um it's a, you know, obviously it's old news by now, but the Golden Globes recently passed and the Oscars are about to commence. And um, shout out to Moonlight for winning, um, I believe, Best Picture. Um, Shout out to Viola Davis for Fences, Not Hidden Fences. Um, Shout out to Donald Glover and the cast of Atlanta for racking up. And shout out to Issa Rae for being nominated. Kind of sucks that she didn't get any get it she didn't win anything but she showed up looking like a winner she showed up looking amazing and um can't wait to see more of insecure what insecure has to bring in uh season two so far i've only seen this the first four episodes yes i know i'm super late but from what i've seen the show is awesome and um definitely worth the hype so another thing that kind of happened not too long ago that might be considered old news now but um I finally got a chance to record, so so here's my take on it. Uh, the whole Bobby Bowden 
thing that went down not too long ago where he was pretty much uh, he said some remarks that kind of summed up to a lot of these um, a lot of these these athletes, basketball and football, these black athletes act the way they act because they don't have fathers in their life and how he kind of it was really it was really condescending and some bullshit. But the thing, you know, a, a few other people touched on this. I know Jay talked about it. Um, I believe, uh, he, he spoke more about it on the critical dump. Um, shout out to them as well. If I didn't put them in the, uh, the shout out section, but, um, the, the remarks were just wild, um, super condescending and super telling of what, what these college recruits and, you know, athletic staff, uh, the athletic departments really, how they really feel about black athletes. Um, shout out to talk it out. They had a, they recently had an episode about college athletes being sort of like indentured servants. And, um, that, that's one of those things that kind of spans, um, across race. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, a lot of black athletes, a lot of black athletes, can become sort of victims of it if you want to consider it a victim thing. Um, but I'm not even going to act like the, the comments really shocked me. Um, honestly, I feel like these remarks, cause uh, somebody else made some statements about that, but he actually called out some, some players by name. Um, pretty much saying things along the line of like, he couldn't teach them how to be men or there's some bullshit like that, uh, because their fathers weren't around and they're learning how to be men from their mothers and stuff like that, which was just completely messed up. And honestly, I think what it is from my, my, my view is that these recruiters and, you know, the, the these coaches, they go to these schools, um, and it's been said in other podcasts, it's, it's a very valid point. They, they prey on single parent households, um, with, you know, a, a star prospect, you know, they tell them, Hey, I, I'll give them that structure that they, they assume they don't have because the father's not around. And I think what happens, I think the reason why a lot of these guys are, are lashing out in their old age is because a lot of these guys end up making it to the big time when they, you know, when they reach their stardom, they kind of, a lot of them will rarely thank the recruiter or in some cases they don't, they don't thank their coaches, which I, you know, I think it's just sort of bitter and petty for a lot of these guys to lash out. But at the same time, it's just like, Hey, um, thanks for, you know, keeping an eye out for me. But at the same time, like, Let's let's be honest here. Um, I was there to get you fame. I was there to get you more money as an athlete, uh, especially you recruiters. Um, let's be honest. You once you sign me, your your like your job is complete, and then your next job starts, and your next job is to find my replacement for when I leave. You know, you you don't care that much about me. There are a lot of recruiters and coaches that do care about their players and, you know, big ups to them, props to them. But like a lot of these guys, they're, they're just padding their resume for their legacy. You know, I brought these guys to this team and this team brought the school a championship. These students don't get paid. Yeah, you know, they get a, a stipend and all that good stuff. But like the schools make bank off of these players and they're putting their bodies on the line at hopefully a shot at the pros, which is what most of them really want. That's the only reason why half of them put up with the stuff that they put up with. So, well, by now it's not really, honestly, by now it's not that big of an issue because uh, the college season is over, but there were a lot of students who opted to to sit out their bowl games and there was a lot of controversy over that. 
Um, a lot of older guys saying, oh, that's just lazy and that's just a disgrace. And why wouldn't you want to pull, why wouldn't you want to play in a bowl game? Um, I've never played a sport on a collegiate level football, like, if, well, obviously football. Cause you know, we're talking bowl games. If I'm busting my butt, putting my body on the line and I have a legit shot at getting drafted, like it's, it's a sure thing. Why would I play a bowl game that could possibly in my career. Like you, you don't like if I, if I hurt myself during this bowl game, you're going to toss me aside just like you've done countless before me. And then that's it. Why wouldn't like, why wouldn't I take care of what's going to be essentially my money maker in the future? Yeah. I, I, forget your bowl game, especially if I'm eligible. Um, I shouldn't have to carry the team. <laughs> like if the team gets it done, I'm still eligible. I'm gonna get my ring and your school's going to get the money. But if the largest selling point, if I, if me as a player individually is the selling point for putting seats in those stands, I need to be getting a cut period. Like what about my security? So I, I don't blame any of these, these students nowadays that feel they want to sit out a bowl game. Like is my body, you know what I mean? Is my health on the line? Is my future on the line? Is my career on the line? And you're not going to look out for me if I, if, you know, if I get hurt, you're not going to look out for me. You're just going to get rid of me and I'll never be spoken of again, but I put that all on the line for you. So as far as this whole, these old guys lashing out at these young guys, um, get over it. Like a lot of you guys are established. Your legacies are set. Don't maybe don't be mad because these kids in college now understand the, the, the business of the sports, you know, of sports and aren't just going out there to play till they're dead or till they're damn near dead. Like, like old school football players, you know, they're, they're retiring earlier where, while they still have two good legs to walk on and you can't be mad at that. They're taking care of their brands. They're, they're bringing up their brands. They're taking care of their own business. You, you, how can you possibly be mad at that? You're only mad at that because there's a possibility that you're losing out on money, which just circles back to the fact that you don't really care about these kids. So get over it, move on. And uh, kind of to wrap up the random recap, um, I'm back in school. So uh, to be honest, if uh, it was already one thing that I was kind of inconsistent with putting these things up, but um, I can't promise you that it's going to get any better. Um, I really enjoy doing the podcast, um, but I'm back in school and my, my goal is to not fall short like I did back in September. Um, that's a whole another can of worms where, um, I did my best in one of my classes and I, I, I fell short by like two points. And my goal is to make sure that does not happen and I don't have to sit out again, but I will do my best to keep at least uh, to get it. I will do my best to get at least one post up a month. All right. That being said, uh, let's take a little break and uh, we'll get into the meat of the show. Hey guys, Triple D here. Being an independent podcaster can be a bit overwhelming, especially when it comes to the promotional aspect of it all. We retweet and we repost, we copy and paste links, we share, but sometimes you want to do a little bit more. I know this is not a new concept, but I guess you could say this is me formally opening up some airspace on my shows so you can promote your shows completely free. So don't worry about paying me because let's be honest, uh, I ain't that big. And if I have the shoe was on the other foot, I ain't got it like that. So if you're interested, record a quick straight to the point promo, maybe about a minute or less. 
And be sure to email it to offtheclockpodcast at yahoo.com. That's O-F-F-T-H-A clockpodcast at yahoo.com. Let's help each other grow together. What's up? This is Triple D of the Off The Clock Podcast. And I hope you already knew that if you're listening to my podcast. Anyway, if you guys haven't been keeping up with me, every now and then I like to do these sort of special edition type shows called Tinder Tales, where I and hopefully another guest, if uh, I can get one to make it through, talk about the dating scene as it pertains to social media apps and all the, the ups, downs, the the fun, the scary things that come along with it. Got a story you want to share? Got some tips you want to share? Any questions you want to ask, then feel free to share by emailing offtheclockpodcast at yahoo.com. That's O-F-F-T-H-A, clock, podcast. If you want, you can be anonymous. Just put that somewhere in the message and hit me up. Until then, happy swiping. All right, and we're back. So as always, um, I like to talk about how these episodes came about and uh, where I got the inspiration for a lot of these. So this particular topic, it kind of came about when uh, not too long ago, there was a discussion on Twitter. I don't know who started it, but I know at the forefront of it on the sort of larger scale, um, at least for my timeline, was uh, Fonte of uh, the Foreign Exchange, a little brother um, who else was in there. Uh, Ninth Wonder, um, DJ Ben Hameen of Fan Bros, as well as uh, Jay from Just Say Words. And it was pretty much a debate on the best R&B groups. Um, at the time, the new edition biopic was getting closer to, to that release uh, or debut or whatever you want to call it. Uh, premiere. Yeah, we'll go with premiere. One of those or all of those, whatever. So, um, you know, it, it sparked a really heavy debate on Twitter of, you know, who who was worthy of, of recognition, who wasn't worthy of recognition. And I'm seeing all these names from like the, the mid to late nineties, early two thousands, uh, who paved the way for this group and that group. And, um, yeah, I just sort of stood back and, and watched because, uh, to be quite honest with you, to be truthful and transparent, I couldn't really relate. Um, I knew of all these groups, but, uh, I didn't really have much um, to add. I didn't really have much to add because when those groups were big, uh, for some of them, I wasn't really into music at that age for some of these guys. And on others, I just avoided it. And uh, I, I put something up on on Twitter of pretty much just saying like, yeah, um, at some point I'm going to have to explain why I can't really I can't really engage in this conversation. And uh, here we are. So it, it, like I said, it centered around New Edition, uh, Boys to Men, who else? Uh, BBD, just a lot of Jodeci was in there, Drew Hill was in there, and um, at some point it started to branch into to rap a little bit. But by then I was I, I was kind of off Twitter for the night. But um, in order to understand why I can't relate to it fully, is we we got to go back, we got to take a trip down memory lane, and um. We got to talk about the uh, the 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 early upbringings, the early child, not the early, but like the childhood of uh, young Triple D. Uh, so back then it was triple lowercase d. Honestly, I was still just, you know, little Romy Rome back then. I still am to some family members, but whatever. So we, we got it. Let's let's take it back. So I was born and raised on a military base in California. We'll go into the details of that environment in another episode. 
but for the most part, what you what you needed to understand was um, it was a military base in the the eighties. Um, I was born in the early eighties, and we left to come to Virginia in ninety three. So at that point, we we left to come to Virginia when I was about ten. So that military base was the pretty much like when you think of like the well from my standpoint as a kid um that being on that military base was like the closest thing to like equality i had ever experienced like everybody was kind of on the same page um i i know that racism existed uh but it never it never showed its face at least to what i registered from what i could remember but like i have very positive memories about being on that base um I was surrounded by different ethnicities, uh, white, black, brown, uh, Filipino, Hispanic, um, Asian, and there's never any static. And I think it was just one of those things that happens because the, these kids, parents like mine, um, one of them, or in some cases, both were serving in the military. So it was like these guys, they work together on a constant basis because it's, it's life or death out there in the, out there in the field. So it was like, they kind of, there was that camaraderie. Um, and I, I know it's not that, I know it's not exactly the same on other bases, but I, I guess I kind of lucked up. So fast forward to me moving to Richmond VA and I'm the new kid. And not only am I the new kid, I, I I'm in an all black, I'm in a predominantly black neighborhood. Um, my first year of school was in the fifth grade and it's a it's a predominantly black class, which was like kind of foreign to me. You know, at first at first glance, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. Like I'm so used to being like one of five. Well, I mean, one of the five in a class of 20, not to say that the rest of the class was white, but like we had, like I said, we have everything. But to walk into a class and see practically all me um, was cool. Uh, it wasn't that cool for me. <laughs> it was not that cool. So, like I said, I, I grew up on a military base and on a military base, you there were, you know, you had accents and stuff like that. But everybody kind of talked the same, like especially if you're you're one of the many that are born there. You you grow up hearing a lot of military personnel as your family members, your friends and stuff like that. And they're speaking like there's there's not much slang. There's a lot of, you know, you, you hear people talking to superiors. So it's very clear. Everything's enunciated and super respectful. So when I moved to VA, I, I talked as what would be considered white. You know, if you're black and you speak with some, you enunciate and you, you don't speak with any slang or you don't have an accent, you talk white. You, some of us have been there, you know what I'm talking about. So there's that off top. First day I made fun of for, for talking white. I'm the new kid um, who came clear across the map, no friends, um, I'm being made fun of because I talk white. I don't dress like everybody else. Like my, my clothes were plain. They weren't name brand. And it's not that my parents couldn't afford it. You know what I'm saying? We were comfortable, but, uh, me personally, I didn't really want that stuff. It wasn't that important to me. So I'm being made fun of for the way I talk and being made fun of for the way I dress. The, the other weird thing was like when they, this, like I said, this was the, the early nineties. So there was a time 
in like the late nineties, um, the two thousands, where if you were, if you said you're from California, people automatically assumed you were a blood or a crip. So they asked you to crip walk and they asked you to talk that gang talk because that happened when I got to high school. But in the early nineties, if you said you're from California, everybody automatically assumed you were a surfer. So they, they asked, they're asking me these questions though. So like you, you go surfing and you say tubular and cowboy. No, I, I don't, I don't say that. I'm, I mean, I, I can understand why you, why you think that, but no, I, I don't, I don't say that stuff. So put all of that together with the fact that the, it was a culture shock. Yeah. You get made fun of in elementary school, but it, it's the usual stuff. The, the schoolyard, uh, cootie stuff. And it, it was, it was just some, some Disney channel type stuff. These kids got on me way harder. Like I, I was alienated. Um, I was weird. They called me weird. And, you know, growing up, I have accepted my weirdness, but like they, they called me weird because I, I was, I wasn't like them. You know what I mean? So that, that sucked, that hurt. And I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this level of, uh, just, I don't, I guess for lack of a better term, you know, being tormented. And I had ridiculously thin skin. Like I was, I was that kid. And this is me being a hundred percent transparent with you. Uh, that first year and a half, maybe. I was that kid that it did not take much to make me cry. Like you kids would make fun of me for five minutes and I'd be in tears. I, I had no friends that first year. My only friends were my grandparents when we first moved to VA. Like I didn't know any of the kids. I knew of the kids in my neighborhood, but like they didn't, they didn't want to hang out with me. So starting off with that and then having to see these kids in middle school and in high school, um, naturally I just, I just grew up hating them. Like I didn't, they didn't like me for me being me. So I didn't like them. Like there was, there was no getting by it. And that kind of spilled over into me not liking what they liked. So whatever they thought was cool and up to date and, you know, whatever they thought was cool, I I hated just by default because I hated everything about them. They made my life a living hell. They, you know, I, I, I wanted nothing to do with Virginia that, that first year or so, but you know, I was stuck. So and I didn't know how to process it. Um, I, like I said, I didn't have that many friends at the time. Um, so it, it just sort of turned into, to anger and resentment and like, yeah, I don't wish any, I didn't wish any ill will to these kids, but at the same time, fuck these kids. I, I hate these kids. I don't want anything to do with these kids. So when we got older and, you know, music became more of a thing that we all talked about or they talked about, I was just stuck in classes with some of these guys. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't even have to hear it. Like if they were singing it and then I heard it on the radio, I automatically didn't, didn't care for it. I didn't, I paid no mind to it. Um, so when new edition, well, actually like in the, like, I guess you could say early to mid nineties, new edition was kind of on the slide down and then like Jodeci started coming up and Casey and Jojo started coming up. Um, same thing with rap, like Jay-Z and Biggie were getting big and Nas was getting big. I didn't. I didn't want anything to do with it because they liked it. And that that made me miss out on a lot of really good music just because I was I was kind of holding this grudge. So like when that this this debate came up, it was just like, man, like I I can't relate because I wasn't listening to that stuff. I was I was kind of avoiding that stuff, which, you know, in a sense, as a as a lover of music now, it, it makes me feel bad. But at the same time, it was just like I, I can't go back and fix it. 
And that's pretty much what brings me to the main topic, the main point of this. And it's just um, that stuff sticks with you. You'd be surprised at the things that stick with you over a long period of time, even when you don't realize it. Like I'm completely over like the the experience. Um, I, I got past my hatred for them. Like I, I, I don't go looking for them to say hi and I, I, you know, and look for them on Facebook to, to catch up. But like, it, it's not as big to me. Like I've gotten over it since high school. Like even, even once I got to high school, it really, I didn't hate them as much. I hated them because they were jerks, but it didn't bother me as much. But the fact that I, I literally, even partially into college, like I avoided that music because it, was, it just brought up too many bad like feelings. And sadly, it, it's not that the songs themselves had an effect on me. It was just I associated what brought them joy to them getting joy out of laughing at me for whatever reason. So I didn't start getting into like Jodeci and New Edition and, and, um, and Mint Condition until like college which is, is super strange for someone who was born in 83. It, it was crazy. Like I'd be, you know, on campus or in the dorms or whatever. And cats would be singing these songs. And then they'd look at me like, why aren't you singing? And I'm just, I didn't know how to tell them like, I don't know this song. Or if I did say, I don't know this song, they'd be like, why don't you know this song? And at the time I was just like, I, hmm, now that you think about it, I, I don't know why. And it's because, like I said, that stuff sticks with you. Like, you got to be really careful how you you treat people. <laughs> you you got to be careful with that stuff because you never know what you're doing to a person, especially if you're teasing someone maliciously or just badgering someone. Tell your kids don't 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 tease like don't don't bully kids because you'd be scarring them for life. Now, luckily for me, it wasn't super traumatic, but at the same time, it's like I missed out on a lot of really good music that I'm I'm kind of catching up to now, but. It was one of those things that I just sort of, I don't know if repressed is the, the word, but like I, I, it was a hurdle that I kind of set up for myself. And here I am now, like not interested in the new edition movie because when I was growing up because of interactions with these kids in my class, I had no connection to them definitely respect the music but like i didn't get a chance to love them like everybody else does because unfortunately i associated them to to a bad experience it, it's weird like coming to terms with that after all these years but like you you'd be surprised what sticks with you I, i'll give you another example i am a huge nate dog fan i have all of his cds even the one, the self-titled one, that wasn't fully mass-produced. They stopped mass production because there was um there was a discrepancy. There was a there was there was an error on this with the CD to where it didn't fully work, and they stopped production on them. And then they never really released them. Um, I'm a huge Nate Dogg fan, but and to this day, because everybody else liked it, their songs that Nate Dogg has that you've probably, that a lot of you probably never heard that I know the words to, but to this day, because of those lasting impressions of, of what I went through in high school and middle school, I still to this day struggle with singing the words to regulate crazy, right? Like that's, that's the ultimate Nate Dogg song. That's the quintessential Nate Dogg song to this day. Because of what I went through then, I struggle with those words. That's how powerful these things can be. And I'm not saying, 
treat everybody like a cotton ball or anything like that. You know, sometimes you got to go through these things to develop thick skin in life. But at the same time, you also got to remember that not everybody responds to these things the same way. It, it could be somebody just sort of tying this treatment to to little things like music because you you can get over that or it can be way worse. We've we've seen how that goes. But just keep it in mind. You know, if you listen to this um, nine times, I'm fairly confident that you're an adult. But if you got kids, like tell them that, that this stuff matters. You know what I mean? A little a little harmless teasing builds character. But uh, but a classroom full of kids, a classroom full of 20 kids ganging up on one can mess you up. And luckily, I ended up getting getting a set of friends early on that that kind of helped me get through that. Um, not so much directly, but just having friends who I could relate to and, and all that good stuff. Um, but at the same time, as you can tell, there are things I wasn't ready to let go of. And those things kept me from enjoying a lot and missing out on a lot. But, you know, you live and you learn. Such is life. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, you know, it's not a, a huge takeaway. If at most um, the takeaway is don't be a dick. Music's at, music could be at stake. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ever run into me and... You're singing a bunch of uh, new edition songs and you see me dancing my butt off, but not singing the words. Don't judge me. All right. Don't judge me. It's not that big for me. Much respect to them and everybody of that era. Um, but yeah, I, I can't relate. Enjoy the music, but I, I didn't get a chance to be a hardcore fan when it was that time. So still a fan. And I'm going to give credit where credit and I know I'm still a fan and I'm going to give credit where credit is due, but yeah, I missed the boat because I didn't get on it. So um, it's been a while since I've done one of these, but I want to I want to leave you guys with a, a takeaway, a conscious cookie. Just something to think about. We often give our enemies the means of our own destruction. And that's from Aesop. And I fear I feel like I probably butchered his name, but A-E-S-O-P, Aesop from the Eagle and the Arrow. Once again, we offer our enemies the means of our own destruction. And uh, looking back on it, obviously not knowing better than um, I pretty much gave them the means of my destruction early on. And it was my insecurities and myself. But, you know, you live and you learn. I'm a better person for it to any of those people who were there way back when and said whatever you said to me. I forgive you. I don't think about you, <laughs> but what's done is done. You know, a lot of it was childish kid stuff and I'm over it. I'm a better person. Still love music. I have a stronger sense of compassion because of it. And uh, I hope to pass that on. I hope you guys pick that up along the way and pass that on too. That being said, I am Triple D. And if you want to get at me, you can reach me at Off The Clock Podcast, O-F-F-T-H-A, you know the rest, uh, or search Triple D, Triple underscore D. You can also find me on Tumblr, just search Off The Clock Podcast, as well as the email address, Off The Clock Podcast at Yahoo.com. You can find this episode along with others on SoundCloud, iTunes, MixCloud, as well as Google Play. Be sure to like, share, and uh, spread the word. Triple D of the Off The Clock Podcast, and I will see you guys next time.